Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Like I say every episode, it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. And when you talk about your passions, you talk about your gifts, lead with your gifts. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews on Money Making Conversation with celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is Reggie Butler. Reggie is the founder and CEO of Performance Paradigm, LLC and executive education, human capital consultancy. His areas of expertise include high-performing high performing team development, organizational change management, diversity and inclusion, which is real important in these days since 2020 has become the forefront of all major corporations, mm. tone of employment and understanding that color and the way people speak should not be a differentiator. It should be treated as equal. Trainer development, workforce retention, strategies, emotional intelligence, and executive coaching. Reggie believes that human connection and understanding is the cornerstone of changing life and behavior. Mm. Reggie works in collaboration with executive leadership teams to develop and execute strategies to change organizational culture, build leadership, bench strength, and increase human capital effectiveness. Please welcome mm. to Money Making Conversations, my man, Reggie Butler. How you doing, Reggie? I'm doing well, man, and good to be with you today. You're doing some important work, and you got to keep doing what you're doing. We need you in this space to not stop or back down. Well, I can't back down. I bring individuals <laughs> on, the, on the show like you, Reggie, so you can support what I'm trying to do. I hear because, you. Because, you know, uh, I, you and I both are, li- are living a long life, and, uh, and we mm. will live even longer life. But uh, somewhere along the line, as, as people have put qualifiers, if you haven't done certain things at a certain age, then you stuck. Mm. And, 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 and that's where I wanted to talk about initially with you because that's the whole part about uh, pushing beyond what you're capable of because people can limit it saying you, you've reached oh. your limit. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so first of all, I, I, I just had this really strong belief that another person's perception of me shouldn't define where I go. And you got to think about what that actually looks like in some spaces. There are people who wind up in careers or in positions only to find out later in their careers that's not what they wanted to yes. do, where they wanted to go, where they wanted to be, how they wanted to do it, because they were listening to somebody else's narrative that was based on someone else's perception of their value or their worth. So I, I spend time in this space um, trying to get the people to understand and see things they can't see for themselves so they not only can explore, but reach whatever next is for them by choice. We talk about the path of resistance. Sometimes we live our lives through the path of least resistance, Reggie, okay? And that means that, like you said earlier, we're in relationships. We go deep like that. There are people in relationships mm. they should be getting out of. Mm-hmm. And there are people who are at jobs they should be walking away from. But they stay there out of fear. They stay out there because they don't want to hear somebody complaining. Or mm. they stay there because they don't want to hear somebody tell them that they question their decision-making. How, in your coaching, do you push people past that? Because you're like a, you're like a, a new modern-day therapist. You know? You're not putting <laughs> us on the couch. 
Am well, I right? Part, yeah, so, you know, Rashawn, so we, first of all, I got to get people to be honest with themselves. And right. I take people through, you know, a framework to help them understand uh, what their truth is about how they're seeing the world, what the truth of somebody else is, like managing their perspectives. And then the highest order I try to get people to is accepting what they need to accept in order to move forward and make a difference. So if I view that, if I look at that, there are some people that haven't accepted what they need to accept about themselves. Right. And one of the big things that people don't accept is that they are much better than anybody else says they are. Because we let people define who we are and what our so worth true. is. And I put people into situations that say, let me show you not only what your worth is, but you be able to articulate that value. Not somebody else do that for you. And once a person starts to accept that, they also start to see those things that they know they have to move past. And that's that thing you're talking about, about resistance. Yes. Resistance comes at you. When you are solid and your confidence has no competition, you know that. Yes. When you are confident in yourself and your abilities, resistance goes around you. Mm-hmm. You go right through it. Yes. You got to get people to see that. You got to get people to see that. Yeah. It's, that, it's, that, it's, that, it's like that's why a, a ship has a point. You know, when it goes through the water, you know, it cuts through the resistance. That's what you're talking about, you know. Yeah. And as it cuts through the resistance, it gets to its destination a lot faster. Now, you've had over 20, 28 years is what's in the bio, but I'm sure it's more years of experience Ooh. in delivering yes, this sir. transformative. Like I told you, I've been doing this since I was 18. When you really look at it, who you are, you don't really be defined by the moment. You're defined on how you were raised and who put these, uh, right. I'd say, these seeds in you. Who That's put right. these seeds in you? Let's let's take a journey back a little bit, Reggie. Who put yeah. these seeds in you? Yeah, so I, if I look at I'm going to start back. So I started off as a classically trained musician, so mm-hmm. class, classically trained pianist. And for years, um, I thought that that was my path. And my father, uh, who was military, I was raised military. I've never served, but uh, I was raised military. And the discipline that he instilled in me about how to be successful through discipline and doing what's necessary, do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do, and he instilled that in me. Once I had made the decision, with his help and the help of some other colleagues, that a classically trained pianist in this body at that time in my life, there was a high probability I was not going to be as successful as I wanted to be because of the constructs of race around Mm -hmm. who I was. Mm -hmm. But my Mm -hmm. father looked at me and he says, but that doesn't mean you still can't be a musician. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, oh. And my mom, wonderful woman that she is, they created what I'm going to call some of the things you do. They decided to manage my life yes. at the young age of 15. So mm-hmm. I had a band. Mm-hmm. Here I am <laughs> having a band at 15 uh-huh. <laughs> and worked and used that band, played every weekend, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m., mm-hmm. just doing all the things. But what it taught me was the organizational skills and the discipline of creating a team. Because mm-hmm. you know this about music. I'm, right. Music is from my heart and from my soul, but it is the foundation of everything we do because that band would not be the band it is and was. The, mu- the music we created would not have landed the way it was supposed to if we didn't have structure. And I was leading that band. So from that, it took me all throughout my life. I used those tenets of what it means to create a high-performing team, what it means to lead a team, what it means to deal with dysfunction, what it means to deal with change when change, change comes up. And I've taken that all the way throughout my professional life. Wound up being, it's so interesting, I wound up uh, was, a, uh, was a choir director 
uh, at a church, uh-huh, uh-huh. and one of my one of my uh, choir members said, "You realize you have a gift for speaking. You should come. <laughs> you should come. You know, not out of the church, but you should come. You know, speak it in corporate America." Mm-hmm. I fought. I resisted that forever because I, know you I was did. school teacher. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a school teacher. I had that means I had twelve months of pay and three months off. I was right. like, I'm not messing up this formula. Mm-hmm. And then realized, you know, after I substitute, substituted as an inst- instructor, as a trainer um, for this boutique uh, firm in Cincinnati, Ohio, called Global Lead Management Consulting at the time. I'll never forget it. I, I, I got a check <laughs> for that day of training that I did. Right, right, right. I, right. I got it like three, four weeks later. I looked at it and I gave it back. I was like... That's way too much money. That wasn't for me. <laughs> it's like, nah, I'm, we don't make, right, I'm a right. teacher. Only to realize that what she was trying to introduce me to, which is what pe- everyone has in their life, they have what's called insight humans, mm-hmm. people that continue to give you insights for things you can't see for yourself. I wound up transitioning from being a school teacher into the corporate space and doing training and development. And at that firm, at that time, I ascended throughout that firm with some great mentors, Vincent Brown, Janet Reed, Sam Absolutely. Lynch, John Peoples, all the people that were back at that firm at that time trained me. Mm-hmm. mentored me, mm-hmm. helped me develop mm-hmm. the skill that I have now Now mm-hmm. that I use in my own uh, human capital consultancy. So a lot of people along the way shaped me, and I mm-hmm. tell this to people all the time, never forget who shaped you. Right. You didn't get where you are by yourself, and now you owe. Well, you know, the thing about it, I, I 100% agree. That's why, because you're a unique individual. Because you bet on yourself, and you can't really tell people how you generate income. You know, you can say it, but they, but the average person can't put the. Mm-hmm. How does he make money? Does he have a nine to five? Does he work Monday through Friday? <laughs> when does he have off? Does he take vacation? Does he have insurance? So you are that individual that really steps out. You used to hear the word a lot on faith, and faith is tied to mm-hmm. your gifts. But I go back to when you were fifteen year old and fifteen years old, and your parents managing you. They were shaping. The gift, because right. I know the power of music. Because I was, a, I played B flat uh, clarinet, I played tenor saxophone. So I knew, the, I know the power of music. Music yeah. is so incredible from from an intellectual and also from a discipline standpoint. And as mm-hmm. we see you today, I'm seeing that same discipline. I'm seeing that same skill set of live performances. I'm watching it right now. That was just incubated into you at such an early age. Now it's translating those gifts, and I see you, Reginald, and uh, I can call you Reginald, but I like your parents. But it's Reggie Butler. <laughs> Excuse me for stepping out into that parent land, but I want to just say that in talking to you, how do you get people to understand their value? Because you're in a human capital, and sometimes. Yeah. And I want to just say this real quick before we get this clear. We can blame a lot of issues on the company we work for. We can Mm. blame a lot of issues on race. We can blame a lot of issues on gender. But the core of making that change has to start with how we value ourselves. That's right. Talk to us That's right. Yeah, and um, so one of the frames I try to put people through, so there's two ways to look at it. One way is to look at your lived experiences and the comfort zone radius you have around your lived experience. So let's say you grew up in a dual family household, you you went to college, you have all these lived experiences that shape who you are and give you the messages. Mm That's that's only one version of a lived experience. We occupy and cohabitate a world with people that have very different lived experiences. 
And so how you find your value is you look at the comfort zone radius you have around your own life, your lived experiences, and you overlay that on the people that you need to interact with to get you to next or to be in service of somebody else. Right. And you look up, you step back one day and go, I, I actually have a purpose. Like, I'm supposed to be here in this space doing this thing right. because it serves something. I tell people all the time, always be in service of changing an outcome, not in service of yourself. Some people uh, get um, bristle at that because they, they start to think of themselves as, well, that's just being selfish. I'm saying it, it's not about being selfish or not being selfish, but when you live through the lens of who are you helping, right? What or what what condition are you improving? You live a much you live a much richer life, and that's where you start to look back at yourself and say, "Now I know what my value proposition is." One thing I tell entrepreneurs all the time: <laughs> don't negotiate your price. Mm-hmm. And, I, mm-hmm. and they go, "Well, but I have to because negotiation is part of the thing." It's like every time you lead with negotiation, that doesn't mean you that means you don't know what you're worth. Right. Know what you're worth first, and then negotiate from that. Mm-hmm. And negotiation from that could be, well, then I must not be your person for today. There you go. Because you can't afford it. <laughs> but that's, people have to, you have to get there first. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it doesn't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. It's very intentional. And what I'm trying to get people to really understand, Rushan, and you of all people, I know you know this, that different people, because of their different life experiences, think there's only one or two ways to do things. Yes. That's just not true. Mm-hmm. There are multiple ways to get to certain locations. There's, it's not just one way, and you have to own this thing called change. Mm-hmm. And I, I even took this most recently. I've started doing it. I've created a, a module again using music uh, that's called Find Your Rhythm. Right. And Find Your Rhythm literally is about any change management principle and organizational designs and things like that. What people have to do is find their rhythm. Mm-hmm. So I want you to think about people who, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's three pandemics out there. There's mm-hmm. the health pandemic. Yes. There's a racial pandemic. Yes, it is. There's an economic pandemic. Yes, it is. And in the last 15 months, we've seen people have to deal with that, that, those pandemics. Yes. And they've lost their rhythm. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's talking about it. Let's go back to work. Mm-hmm. And people are going back to work. Like, how do you find your rhythm to get back into what I tell people to stop saying, which is the new normal? Right. <laughs> stop it. Stop right. saying the new normal, because most of you didn't like the last normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're about to go, so you have to find your rhythm, and it's not return to work, it's return to life. Mm-hmm. You know, and when how I, when do you when deal I, with that, man? I, you know, when I hear you say that, you know, I, I you know, the, the thing that, because I've been fortunate in my life, I work for the post office, I, you know, I work for IBM, so I've worked a 40-hour shift, I don't understand hourly wage, I understand how to work overtime, and in the process Individual and a personal job frustration because you deal with a lot of mm. individuals who live in that forty-hour week structure. Because we're going to talk about uh, Google contracted you just recently to develop their own diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Mm. I talk about that because when you come in and do a program like that, there has to be two sides of this development. There has to be an acknowledgement that just because of you feel that another person. I always, let me just share this quick story with you, right quick. When I was mm-hmm. at IBM, I um, I got hired with two other white guys, and I came in simultaneously. And my supervisor asked me, "What were my goals? What did I want to do?" And I told him I didn't know at the time. Okay, he said, "Okay, whenever you figure it out, Rashawn, come back and I come and just tell me. Look, my door's open." Well, 
two months went by, three months went by. I still hadn't went back in that door. And the white guys started getting other assignments. And guess what? I started huddling up with my, hey, this is wrong. There's a racial thing going on here. Racial, what's going on here? And I went and storming in that office and sat down with my supervisor. Hey, man, look, we started at the same time. Why are mm. they doing more than I am doing? He said, Rashawn, I asked you on your first day, what were your goals? What did you want to do with this company? You told me you're going to get back with me. Well, they got back with me the very first day. And they're only doing the things that they I'm helping them do the things that they say they want to accomplish yeah. at the company. I yeah. say that to put that statement out in front of you to say, I'm not going to point any fingers on this, Reggie. I'm going to tell you, I've been the, I want to say the person who sitting in the corner mad, but I didn't do my job. So right. who am I mad at? So that now you have to come in with a company like Google, try to change yep. the environment, but know there are some Rushans sitting out there who hadn't told Google a darn thing about what they want to do. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I will, I will tell you one of the things. So there are a lot of um, companies in, in the portfolios, you know, all the way from big tech and Absolutely. healthcare and mm -hmm. retail and, mm -hmm. you know, professional services, automotive, all the things. But here's here's what happens. When you have an organization that, that's big like, like a Google, they have the resources to actually investigate and use data to actually drive toward the source of what the issue is. Yes, so they, they had a hypothesis that the people that are black, Latinx, um, and women are having different lived experiences inside the organization. Mm -hmm. And instead of going to the mad Rushans, mm -hmm. instead yes. of going to the people <laughs> in the organization and trying to focus on making them feel better, they decided let's go to the manager population who mm -hmm. makes decisions about them every day mm -hmm. and get them to understand that the lived experiences aren't the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's amazing when, a, when an organization understands that it's about shifting the culture, not changing the people. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what I do in, at the firm. We actually work across change management, but we do it through the lens of culture. So if there's a, a people issue to address, we address it through the culture. We don't address it through the people. We address it through the culture. And sometimes the culture will, will dictate to us after we do some audit or something like that is to, to find out where, where is the issue, where is the problem, and let's solve it. And so what we, what we wound up doing, which is why the Forbes article we got highlighted, we, we created um, a very experiential program that was the at the intersection of understanding the experience of, of black and brown people, yes. of, of women, and anybody that was in an underrepresented group, and taking it through the lens of art. So we used performance artists, mm -hmm. we used singers, we used musicians, we used drummers, we used interpretive dancers. Same type of diversity training that most people would say, so let's talk about what it's like to be black here right. at this organization. Let's mm -hmm. talk about what it's like. Instead of just talking to them, we showed them. Right. We created an experience. Mm -hmm. So just think, you have a room of dominant culture people, mostly white, sitting there trying to understand what it's like to be somebody that's not them, that doesn't have the lived experience they do. But the way they get the message is through, through art. Yes. So we had someone curate an art piece and explain yeah. why this piece of art was done. And the reason it was done because this person feels invisible. And that's why this piece of art looks like that. We would then turn to the audience and say, is there anybody on your team that feels like they are invisible? And what's that reason? Can you do anything about it? It was so different. We took some survey results. This was one of, one of the most interesting things. You know how you do these uh, inclusions? So every organization does surveys to see how their, peop their, their people feel. 
And one of the questions was about inclusion. Do you feel like you feel included? And the score was, was pretty low. Right. We took some of the comments from the survey that said, this is what it feels like for me to be here. I don't feel like I'm seen, et cetera, et cetera. We took those comments. We strung them together, put a music bed under it, and then had dancers do interpretive dance to it mm-hmm. to show the emotion. Because as long as it's just data in one dimension on a page in a survey in a spreadsheet, you can't feel that. So we created a story and a narrative that allowed people to feel. Right. That's the space we sit in. I am t- Rushan, you know this. You can talk and complain all you want until you get somebody to feel, meaning connect the emotion with the intellect, you won't get change to happen. You know, and you're absolutely correct. And because this is what this interview is about change, also about acceptance, also about recognizing, like you said, you're not invisible. And and, and so, you know, being that I, I, I've walked these different lanes of entertainment, you know, and you, uh, the corporate world, I've been yeah. an entrepreneur, and then, but that workspace, that's really the key yeah. dynamic, especially yeah. how w- working remotely. That's the, that's the, that's the other part of the conversation. Maybe you, you broke down the three that working remotely now also uh. leads to damage because of the fact that how do you, how do you, uh, properly supervise somebody who's working from home? How do you properly promote somebody who's working from home, which creates another angst in am mm-hmm. I being treated right? Am I going to get a proper recognition for the work I'm producing? Your world has gotten even more complicated in a good That's way. That's right. That's right. In a good way. That's right. With the remote tool that's suddenly been thrown into your little toolbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got, uh, I have no shortage of examples of people doing the on-ramp back into work. So, you do realize, I think everybody knows this, so a lot of companies actually experienced exponential growth over right. the last 15 months, and they hired a lot of people virtually, and they never met them. Yes! So they they have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Then you have some companies that decided, hey, I didn't know this flexible work thing was actually going to work, and now that it's working, I don't need them to come back. I need them to stay home. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. now you got that population. Mm-hmm. Then you have the what we're, everybody's saying is the hybrid population, where you're on rotation. It comes to the building but you only have to come in for two days and you have to rotate with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now you got a manager who's never, ever had to do that before. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to do that and they are ill-equipped. They are, they are well-intended though because they are trying. And what we try to do is put some framing around to say, just, the, just all of the different versions and iterations you're gonna have to go through, do not look for a new normal soon because it's a phased approach. Yes, it is. You still have to create human connection and you have mm-hmm. to do it through screens. Right. I, I, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a tip. I told a manager the other day, I said, when you, everybody's back, you've been doing all these things, would you stop asking people on Mondays how their weekend was? Right. <laughs> that is not inclusive. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, think about the pandemic, all of them. Right. Do you realize that some people, the last thing they want to talk about what they had to deal with on the weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. I lost somebody to COVID. I'm going mm-hmm. through yes. a divorce. Yeah. My friends are out mm-hmm. of jobs. I'm mm-hmm. still trying. My, still doing Zoom school. Mm-hmm. But I hear some of my colleagues on the call when you ask, what did you do over the weekend? They say, oh, I was able to go hiking. I feel so much better now. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not my experience. Right, right, so right, right. I'm right. telling managers now, right. pay attention to the questions you ask. A mm-hmm. much better question is, mm-hmm. not how was your weekend, a better question as a leader right now is to say, what's important to you this week and how can I help? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also what's important, how are you doing? 
That's, That's right. important too because what happens is the interesting thing about the work di- and the home dynamic, Reggie, as we wrap this up, is that you got kids. You might have a wife running around in the background. You might have a mm-hmm. dog barking. You might, you know, you, a, 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 a electrician might show up at the same time that your meetings going over your Zoom call. It's bringing yep. on a whole slew of dynamics that can make you look unprofessional, which can in turn impact how you think you're being perceived by the mm. company that's hiring you. So when you lay out these shields and when you when you get hired by a company <laughs> like Google, like I said, they brought you in and you use these big old words, diversity training, equity, inclusion. That's a lot to put on your plate. How do you, how do you not replicate, because every every situation is different. I always say that. Everyone. Like you said fintech, yep. health companies, you, you, you don't bring the same model in. How do you bring a model in and how do you survey the right approach to that particular company's needs? Well, some of it is, is most companies already have identified what the problem is. They're still working on the source. So we try to go in and say, I don't need you to do new work with me. I don't need you to go look up stuff that you've already looked up. I need to start where you are, in which I try to get um, you know, companies, businesses, peoples, individuals, start where you are, not where you were. Right. I have way too many people going, well, let's go back and let's study the past so we can figure out how to deal with now. And I'm going, can we start with now and focus on the future? (laughs) Think about that. The past already happened. Yes. You have so much data, so much surveys. How much data do you need Mm -hmm. to know that things are just a little messed up? Yes, yes, yes. And that there is an answer. Let's go with what we know and move forward. I tell people all the time. Create forward momentum. If you're not creating forward momentum, you're holding things back. Answer the question every single day. What did I do this this week that created traction and momentum? I I call it the relevancy paradigm. You spend a lot of energy on a lot of stuff. You do a lot of actions. If it's not having any impact and you're not creating any momentum, then make the business choice and the human choice to stop focusing energy on it. Focus on where you create momentum. Yes, sir. You standing there and is engaging me so much, but you probably know that yourself. You know, we I, I've never interviewed anybody standing. That is so important <laughs> and so powerful because I feel like you're communicating with me. I feel like that if you extended your hand right now, Reggie, I would probably I'd, I'd probably extend my hands trying to shake it because <laughs> it feels so natural. You feel me? So yep. if 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 you're doing it like this. Keep doing it like this. This is fantastic. You're a very Man. welcoming personality. You fill with a world a, a world of information. I will be the first in line for whatever you do. Send me your flyers. Send me all your information so I can put it on my okay. social media. And let's keep building your brand and also changing lives because that's what you're doing. You're changing yeah. lives for black and brown people. We good? We good, man. And you keep doing what you're doing. I'm telling you, what you do matters. I know you may not get that a lot, but I'm telling you, it does work. I don't, ca- I don't care what people say. <laughs> I don't care if you don't get the accolades you think you deserve. Yes, sir. You are making a difference. We need you to be you in this space. And I will be. So I thank you. Thank you for everything, man. And I thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. If you want to see this interview or hear this interview on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. 